Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So as I said a moment ago, um, just first the the marking of the solstice, um, which as a matter of fact, I was off by an hour. I just looked it up. It's 3.12 a.m. Um, and as I'm sure all of you know, it's the uh, end of the uh, Mayan epic in the uh, the Mayan calendar. And it's interesting, if you go online to, to read about it um, from people who are knowledgeable, you know, there's been so much talk about it being the end of the world and the apocalypse and the big movie 2012, which I didn't see, uh, that, uh, you know, stirs up people's senses, excitement, trepidation, uh, all of that. Um, but the Mayan calendar doesn't say that at all. In fact, there's another epic in a a distant future that's also inscribed in their calendar. So this clearly can't be the end of the world if they're talking about another one several thousand years. But it is um, thought to be an end of a time period, uh, an end of a kind of shift, a time for possible shift, and new possibilities. If you're old enough to remember the harmonic convergence, which was, I think, in 1987, um, which was quite quite a, a really great event. I remember spending that with Ajahn Sumedho, and we had this uh, big sitting that the uh, um, whole community came to, just seeing that, as that prophecy said, over the course of the next uh, 25 years, there it was prophesied, it was said that this is a time of tremendous upheaval and that um, there would likely be a lot of um, some suffering and, and changes um, that are kind of new to uh, humanity and the planet. One could say that's always the case, but you know, these last 25 years have been um, pretty intense time, wouldn't you say? Uh, and now with climate change in the air, like a whole other consciousness about what's happening and where we're heading. And anyway, that in that shift, in that upheaval, there would be uh, many possibilities and that those who really understood that um, could perhaps be uh, participating in a shift of consciousness that uh, was, uh, could lead us in a new direction. And at the same time as all the sufferings and all the, the, the pain and all the dukkha um, both man-made and um, and otherwise, uh, there's also been um, the greatest development of consciousness sped up over these 25 years um, that the world has ever seen. You know, especially with the information age, just kind of changing everything. Where it's not where everybody can connect with everybody else on whatever level, but there's connections instantly and there's a kind of global consciousness as well. As my friend Roger Walsh uh, has said that I've repeated many times, it seems like we're in a race between fear and consciousness. And who knows who's going to win the race, which is going to win the race. Given enough time, I certainly believe that consciousness trumps fear. But this is a time of, um, we're on a cusp here in so many different ways. Uh, One other thought that had occurred to me, I remember when I was first getting into 
spirituality in the uh, um, late 60s, uh, early 70s, um, the, the notion of the Kali Yuga always impacted me. In Hinduism, um, there's different epics, and we are, for better or worse, living in uh, the, near the end of the Kali Yuga. And Kali, if you know Kali, the, the, um, the devourer of, of life, Kali can turn into Durga, who is this beautiful embodiment. Calcutta is named after Kali, Kali, Kali's city, Calcutta, uh, an intense city, if there ever was one. And that we're in the end of this Kali Yuga where there's great um, confusion and, uh, and ignorance and human-caused suffering, but that the next dawning is, um, is a shift towards greater consciousness. So here we are at 3.12 a.m. tomorrow morning uh, at that cusp, if one is going to name an exact time, at least according to the Mayan calendar. But the solstice is always a a shift, um, whether or not it's that special year. And um, it seems somewhat... Um, strangely um, aligned that there would be this tragedy that um, everyone I know and I know personally myself and the, the collective consciousness at least of our country who knows beyond our country um, is still reeling from uh, the tragedy that happened last week in uh, Newtown, Connecticut, and it's interesting because you know we've we've gone through this so many times. I was reading thirty-one school shootings in the last uh, couple of decades, and since nineteen eighty-two, sixty-two mass killings. So it's not that this is new, but somehow, for myself anyway, and uh, perhaps you're feeling it too, sensing that um, this one hit a little bit harder. And I was trying to think of why that was so. I'm just curious, how many people is that so for, that this somehow hit a little bit harder? Okay, so I'm alone. And so I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit, and I certainly want to give everybody a chance to, to talk, because part of, the, part of the point of this is for us to come together and just uh, allow for um, processing of whatever is here. That's what Sangha is for. But as I was reflecting on why this one is a little harder, um, there were a few factors um, one, the, the pure innocence of 20 first graders. You know, I was looking at the pictures, and I was, I was doing a slideshow of, of all the, the victims, children and adults, and um, just the... It's amazing how many different ways there are to be beautiful in this world. And as I looked at, you know, one face to another, each one, mm, mm, kind of feeling it now, each one, this unique brightness that just melts the heart. Oh, so much goodness coming out of that face, out of that being. And uh, as I let myself just really look at those beings, um, just really the, the, the vulnerability, the, the complete innocence, even in the most 
one a, 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 a tremendously affluent environment, and it just that much more pointed out the the vulnerability of the human condition, and that we're, you know, there's no safety anywhere, no ultimate safety. Safety. Now, I don't want to, you know, freak us out and say, you know, you, you've got to look over your shoulder, um, but that the Buddha says to reflect on the fact every day that. Um, one way to put it, one of my colleagues puts it, anything can happen at any time. Uh, and even with those 20 beautiful children, you know, that really has touched everybody, I, per, I think, a little bit harder, especially with hearing and seeing the faces and um, just the sweetness and the innocence and the courage of the, of the teachers is... Uh, and the adults, uh, another factor that they're, they're these beings that just kind of rose to the nobility and uh, of course that was what they were going to do to protect these innocent beings that they loved. And then there's the time, of, this is the holidays, this is the time of the holidays and the ironic juxtaposition, a time that you know, we, we use words like jolly and cheerful and merry and, and ho, 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 and, um, and it's a children's, as much as anything, it's a children's celebration. It's like, oh, yes, there's Santa Claus and there's gifts and there's love and there's, there's all the goodness in life that we celebrate and that juxtaposition with the bizarre energy of willful, wrathful, wrathful destruction, it, it really jars the body and the mind and the heart. And another element that for me, it was just so, um, that hits that hit home as well, is it, it was so clear that um, the shooter is not the, the typical villainous gunman with a history of meanness and and hate, but just a a very confused, disturbed, scared kid with some some genetic attributes besides you know they're talking about Aspergers, but it's it's not just Aspergers because I know people with Aspergers and that's it, that's not how it usually. Uh, is it's not how it usually uh, manifests, but um, whatever was going on inside of this person, um, they were just, um, it seemed to be impossible for that being to have the typical uh, empathy and relating to other humans. And so the fact that he wasn't a really um, evil person as we think of it, uh, just made it a, made him a more difficult target to vent our anger rather than that evil person should be put away. Uh, but just that, um, so what do you do with that that anger or that confusion or that, that outrage makes a difference when there's not a an easy scapegoated or target re- responsible perpetrator. And so we can't release our helplessness and our anguish, perhaps in a way that um, might have had for some of the other incidents like this. Um, with different perpetrators, and there was a 
a really moving article that perhaps you saw, <clears throat> and it's now uh, around on the internet. Uh, how many people read the the articles in the Chronicle this week? I am Adam Lanz's mother. Can you read it? It's it was really moving. It wasn't written by his mother, obviously, because she died. It was written by a a woman with a a 13-year-old child um, who could easily be somebody who did what that young man did. Although it seems that uh, Adam Lanza didn't... I, I hadn't heard about the history of violence, but this child has a part of him that um, just goes crazy sometimes. And uh, I'll read just a little bit of it. I live with a son who is mentally ill. I love my son, but he terrifies me. A few weeks ago, Michael pulled a knife and threatened to kill me and then himself after I asked him to return his overdue library books. His seven- and nine-year-old siblings knew the safety plan. They ran to the car and locked the doors before I even asked them to. I managed to get the knife from Michael and methodically collected all the sharp objects in the house into a single Tupperware container that now travels with me. Through it all, he continued to scream insults at me and threaten to kill or hurt me. Conflict ended with three burly police officers and a paramedic wrestling my son onto a gurney for an expensive ambulance ride to the local emergency room. The hospital didn't have any beds that day, and Michael calmed down nicely in the ER, so they sent us home with a prescription and following, follow a visit with a local pediatric psychiatrist. <clears throat> we still don't know what's wrong with Michael. Autism spectrum, ADHD, oppositional defiant, or intermittent explosive disorder have all been tossed around at various meetings with probation officers and social workers and counselors and teachers and school administrators. He's been on a slew of antipsychotic and mood-altering pharmaceuticals, a Russian novel of behavioral plans. Nothing seems to work. He's in a good mood most of the time, but when he's not, watch out, and it's impossible to predict what will set him off? <clears throat> so I think I'll just stop there. You, and she she talks about the the anguish and how much she she cares about her son. But how imagine being terrified of your son? Um, and then he in the article he says, "I'm so sorry, mom." You know, I'm so sorry for what I did. You know, he's out of his mind when he's in that state. So, seemed very similar to this guy who was out of his mind. I, I read in one report that um, it seemed that his mother had gotten to the point where she couldn't control him anymore and she was um, planning to send him to... Um, some kind of institution. And when he heard that, this is according to somebody who knows the family, that he completely lost it. Um, and that the she volunteered in that school uh, with kindergartners, and, uh, and in his mind that she loved him, more, she loved them more than him. Anyway, who knows? That was one explanation. So there is this this perpetrator without that you can't get really angry at because he was so clearly out of his mind. And then, of course, the uh, the obvious flaw in our society of um, easy access to killing weapons, a culture that glorifies violence. But that's been there for the 31 school shootings and the 62 mass killings, and it's been going on for a long time. But in this particular instance, um, with all of those other factors and mm, a, um, an empathic and respected 
leader clearly articulating the collective response that seemed to be swelling up that most of us probably in this room felt we've got to do something. This can't go on any longer. It, was, it seemed like it just it reached a tipping point. And, you know, we, we've heard that before, but now we've got people who are, you know, gun advocates saying, okay, maybe we need to do something. And the, the NRA isn't quite as, quite as vocal and visible. But it was amazing to read that 40%, something like 40% of, of households in America have guns. And there's 300 million, 300 million guns in this country, or guns, rifles, weapons. So anyway, um, all of those factors just kind of coming together in a, in a perfect storm, maybe, and seeing that community come together, that Newtown community, and the larger community coming together um, because there's a need to heal. And you see the way that they supported each other and, and comforted each other, little children comforting other little children, as well as parents and all of us. It just... From, for me, when I see that, and probably for you, when you see that, there's like this um, experiencing one of the great mysteries of the human condition, and that is that um, when people come together in a spirit of love and compassion, that somehow it helps us begin to heal. There's very little else, besides measures that get passed, there's very little else that can facilitate the healing as just feeling the love and support and care and coming together that we're all going through this together. So we're not so alone in it. And that, you know, as we chant, you know, um, about the Sangha, Tatiampi, Budang, Sangang, Saranang, Gachami, I take refuge in the Sangha. Um, That's what we're all doing, whether or not you come and do Buddhist meditation or you're in a community in Newtown, there's there's refuge in holding it all together. <clears throat> and of course, there, there's a, a deeper healing that comes from response that signals change, that something positive can somehow um, come out of a tragedy that could give some meaning in some small way or big way to tragedies that happen and perhaps this is this is one that can have that kind of deeper healing that comes from a shift in uh, public awareness and that it requires us to feel the pain that if you distract yourself too much then you're not motivated to actually be part of the conversation that wants to make a difference. So I've felt myself, as perhaps uh, many of you have, you know, really um, somber this week, appropriately somber. It just, uh, it's a different kind of Christmas. And it's, um, it's an important thing. It's not that we should just say, oh yes, let's all have fun and it's Christmas and let's get into the Christmas cheer. There's a poignancy and a, and a, um, a tenderizing of the heart 
that going through real um, tragedy can do. And it, it connects us together, the universality of, of suffering. So that's one of the reasons. I, I, you know, I couldn't think of talking about anything else. Um, and so I'm just kind of naming it for us to all take a breath and feel it and let it move through us. One of the um, one of the beautiful um, articles. There have been so many good things written and touching things written in uh, this last week. Uh, one of them was uh, an article that I I just uh, read. That's on the uh, Greater Good Science Center um, website, um, and if you if you um, haven't seen it, I just go to Greater Good, Greater Good Science Center. It's the center here at UC uh, Berkeley that Dacker Keltner, who comes often to the Joy Course, and uh, and Christine Carter, who talks about raising happiness, and uh, all the research on altruism and compassion, they, they run over there. It's a really great um, center. And uh, this fellow wrote an article in response um, calls Four Reminders of Human Strength and Goodness After Sandy Hook. And he makes the point that it's easy when you go through something like this to just really get so discouraged and mm, despairing of hope of the human condition. And the, the natural question is, are, are people really as horrible as sometimes we think they are? Are people, is it the human condition that we're just really nasty and mm, destructive and dog-eat-dog and things like that? But uh, he makes the point that um, it's really important in these times to tune into the goodness Because that's what, if you take a look, you see all around in this catalyst of, of insanity and, and, um, and pain and ugliness and, and, and suffering that uh, the human propensity is not one of ugliness and hate, but actually we're wired up for compassion we're wired up for empathy, and there's all kinds of studies that show this. We're wired up for goodness and for love. This is, this is what we long for and yearn for. And he talks about uh, four different things to contemplate as you're going through this. <clears throat> he says, first, it's important exactly if you have that question, it's important in the aftermath to remind ourselves of the human tendencies for compassion, empathy, forgiveness, heroism, peacefulness, and altruism. And the first of these contemplations is uh, the fact that compassion and forgiveness are everywhere. And particularly as you, you know, saw the, the faces of the families, the community, and the, the children. And uh, he pointed out uh, particularly that fellow Robbie Parker, if you uh, uh, have seen, you know, this very inspiring guy whose who's beautiful daughter Emily uh, was one of the, the victims. And um, as he, he spoke to the press, he offered comfort and forgiveness to the family of Adam Lanza, saying, I want you to know that our love and support go out to you as well. And that the killings not turn into something that defines us, but something that inspires us to be better, to be more compassionate and more humble people. You know, as he 
said through the tears, you know, when, when he'd think about his daughter, he'd start to choke up. But, I mean, isn't it amazing that human beings have that capacity as well, instead of the anger and the hate, understandable rage, that there's something noble that wants to come through, and that when we see it, we're inspired. So to see the compassion and forgiveness that's everywhere. Second reflection, he says to keep in mind that schools are safer than ever, believe it or not. Yes, there's been violence, but believe it or not, school violence has been declining for almost 20 years, and your kids are safer at school than outside of it. One study, school violence peaked in 1993 with 42 homicides per thousand students at American schools. That's just amazing. By 2010, the latest figures available, those numbers had decreased to two homicides and four violent crimes per thousand students. And this mirrors a decline in violent crime nationwide. And the reason, they think, is that more and more there's an awareness of turning from punitive policies to ones that are designed to foster greater empathy um, for victims and to provide mental health support for, for victims and families. Third reflection, uh, that children and adults are resilient. And, of course, when somebody goes through trauma, um, it's, uh, they're going to be living with that for their life. But as that Robbie Parker says, it doesn't have to define you and keep you stuck. We're so much more sophisticated about working with trauma and dealing with trauma and making sure that uh, somebody isn't stuck. We're, not that we're always making sure that somebody isn't stuck, but there's a lot more understanding about how that stuckness can be, can move through. And that when it's given a chance, in the right conditions, there is a resilience to the human spirit that's quite remarkable, that can turn into very deep compassion, very deep understanding. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth is that... Um, he says to reflect that peace is the rule, not the exception. And uh, he talks about uh, Steven Pinker writing about the decline of violence. I gave a talk on that uh, uh, last, this last year. Um, but that um, the study of violence in hundreds of societies found that it's peace, not war and violence, that char- characterizes most human lives our daily observations may seem to contradict the idea that peacefulness predominates in human affairs, especially when we've become accustomed to Hollywood films and daily newscasts that depict unrelenting violence. But in actuality, the vast majority of people on the planet awake on a typical morning and live a violence-free day, and this experience generally continues day after day. And the, the movement towards less violence over the past uh, centuries as well as decades and years has been uh, quite startling. So in that we can get very um, mm, overwhelmed by our grief and our, our pain and what to do with all of this. But um, we're called on to somehow process this in a meaningful way, both as members of the society, but also in our Dharma practice, in our own practice. In our own, in our own practice where the Buddha says to reflect every day about old age, about sickness, about death, about the fact that everyone and every, everything near and dear to us will become separated from us. He says, think about this every day and about the fact that we are um, owners of our karma. 
So how we process it, can we, can we be wider than the pain and the contraction that, that we feel so it's not overwhelming and see, take a big breath and see just like volcanoes and earthquakes and, and destruction are part of the human experience, so are things like this in a bigger context of love and compassion and wisdom and clarity that uh, we all have inside of us that can hold this. So before I I open it up to a a conversation, just uh, invite you to take a few moments and uh, just go inside and feel what you're feeling right now. And don't try to change any part of your experience. But simply make space for it all. For the pain or the frustration or the love or the equanimity. or the hurt, or the compassion, and just allow it for a few moments. And as you're allowing it, you might just ask, in your wisest moments, how you can hold this, how you can process it in a way that deepens your understanding, that deepens your capacity to open to anything. without any mm, timetable, just inclining the mind. How can you hold this? If somebody came to you really distraught, What words of wisdom might you offer them? So um, we have some time, and I, I would really um, encourage and request that if you can to stay through um, through the end, and we'll we'll end uh, we'll end at nine thirty, unless we run out of things to say before then. But just invite you any kind of reflections uh, that might be useful. And when you speak, speak right into it like this, right next to your lips on an angle. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, why don't you say your name uh, before you start? Hi, I'm, I'm Eunice. <coughs> My name is Eunice, and uh, thank you for talking about uh, the subject today. Um, yeah, I think what I, how, what I felt, um, I've been in the last few weeks in, in a very vulnerable place grieving some losses and, and then this tragedy happened and and as you said when it's involving children it's very difficult to make sense of it and uh, I, I just felt um, 
how destructive anger can be. <laughs> and um, and s- as somebody who works in the international arena, I got to think about the children around the world that die every day. They never get any airtime. Yes. All around the world, in sub-Saharan Africa, in Syria today, in Palestine, um, the sickest uh, health workers in Pakistan who were given children polio vaccine and they were shot blank point in the head. Mm. Um, no, none of these people get an airtime. And you spoke of the universality of suffering. And I would like us to think about the universality of compassion mm-hmm. and that every human that we lose, um, it's a human life, not a nationality. So that's really what came up for me this week, just to think about all the people that we lose every day in a very senseless way around the world. Mm-hmm. But some get airtime because they're economically and politically significant, and some don't. Mm-hmm. So I would like us to think about everyone else. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for that. That's as important a reflection as, as any I can think of. That's what makes it that we're all in this together. And and it's not just happening to us. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm Claudia. Um, I've I've just felt overriding sadness since this happened, and um, as all of us have. Um, but one thing I did want to say is that you know they're talking about twenty children and tw- and seven adults that were killed. It's actually eight adults, mm-hmm. and we're forgetting. The news, the news media is forgetting that his mother was a victim as much as anybody else was. Mm-hmm. And um, I just wanted to pay homage to to her, the loss of her. Yeah. It's uh, eight adults. Um, eight adults. In- including, including him. Yeah. Thank you. Over there. I'm Janet, and I want to thank you also for speaking about this tonight. I'm a classroom teacher. I teach fifth grade. Mm. I've been profoundly impacted by this event, and I don't know that my thoughts will be very cohesive. Um, One of the feelings that I have when I went to join my kids after the weekend was this energetic condolence that I have for all children um, that something's been lost for them in terms of what they can uh, rely on in their safety. And in my practice, practice, um, I've been working with the suchness of things, and it just kind of feels like a trap floor door when I feel the suchness of the situation, I guess Pema would say pure groundlessness. Um, It hasn't been comforting, but it's been stable. It's been really hard. Thank you. When you say you you feel the groundlessness, say a little bit more about it. So when I just start to be so um, sad, feel the sadness of the situation. Mm -hmm. The practice that comes up immediately for me is to just be with, this is how it is, it's like this. And oftentimes, when I get to that place of it's like this, there's a peacefulness or some sort of um, comfort also Mm -hmm. that joins that. Mm -hmm. And in this instance, it's just, it's it's just empty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And and feeling that is it overwhelming or is it? Um, it's ha- not. It's just. It is. It is like it is. It when, when it's deep sadness, it's it's deep sadness. Mm-hmm. But there's usually a buoyant. There's usually a something that feels like it's coming from underneath mm-hmm. in a in a. Mm-hmm. supportive way it's not unsupportive but mm-hmm. it's just dark yeah yeah thank you yeah and sometimes just have to be in free fall for a while um so f- 
thank you for sharing that and thank you for being a fifth grade teacher. Mm. I was a fifth grade teacher <clears throat> for many years. And any other teachers in this room? Look around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think about the most important job that we have in our society. So, mm. thank you. Yeah, Jim. A um, couple of months ago, I guess, there was a mass killing of Sikhs up in, was it Wisconsin or Minnesota or someplace? And Wisconsin. I have a, a close friend who's a Sikh engineer that I work with. And I know he's um, worked actively to try and bring tolerance to, to communities for, for Sikhs in particular and, and people of all faiths and, and ethnic backgrounds. And when I heard of that one, I was particularly moved, and, and he invited me to come, invited a number of his friends to come to the Sikh temple a few, um, a few days later, I guess, the, the one up here in El Sobrante. And um, I, he uh, said, I think you should say something. I think you should say something. I think you should say something to you know, 400 Sikhs who really had experienced the, the pain much more closely, having relatives and so on up there. Uh, but eventually I shared, um, and uh, I, I took the liberty of saying I, I represent the Berkeley Insight Meditation community. <laughs> and um, at the end, I, I, I talked about you know, how we, we really just need to take, take the feelings that we've got, this, this experience, and, and respond to try to somehow overcome violence, to, 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 to end violence, not through anger, not through hatred, not through vengeance, but through love. And uh, one of the most touching experiences, I guess, of, of my life was there was like almost like a war cry. Someone shouted out in the back of, in, in whatever Punjabi, I guess, they speak. And uh, I was, you know, a little, little startled and, and then Immediately, there was you know four or five hundred uh, Sikhs that responded back with some sort of liturgical response, and uh, you know I, I didn't know exactly what it meant, but it was something like "Amen." <laughs> and um, and I, afterwards, I asked my friend, uh, you know JP, what what was that? He says they liked what you said, <laughs> something like. Uh, uh, I don't remember what he said, but some, something like the, they, they liked, liked what you said. But there was really a, a tight community, talking about the community of, of people here, and there was a sort of liturgical uh, ethnic that they, would, they all came together really for, for a couple of hours just to honor you know, their kindred, their kin, mm-hmm. who had been, um, had mm-hmm. been attacked. And um, yeah, somehow there's... It's like like you said. There's 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 coming together is um, <laughs> doesn't wipe it clean, but it helps to um, to build something new uh, that that is able to strengthen us eventually. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Any any last comment? Well, we'll close for the evening. One last, all the way in the back. Uh, oh, you do. Oh, sorry. Just a, a quick thing, um, something I've, I've noticed, some articles linking statistics with pharmaceuticals, people taking pharmaceuticals, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. that's really Im- important to acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know if you heard what I just said, but hopefully, yeah, mm-hmm. that's all. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think we should we should end so we end on time and um, close with a loving kindness and uh, just as we're spending the evening, just feel the supportive community that we we're all going through this 
together and as was pointed out, all around the world people go through this together. And, and being together does make a difference and feeling a connection beyond our small circle makes all the difference in the world. So feel that support. And uh, allow your heart to be held with great tenderness. May I open to whatever feelings need to be experienced so that they can be held with love and compassion. And may my fear or confusion uh, dawn as wisdom as it's said in Tibetan. And may all beings be safe from inner and outer harm. And find the goodness inside and share their love well. And awaken to their true nature. May our coming here together be for the benefit of ourselves, everyone in our lives, and all beings everywhere. Thank you very much. 3.12 this morning. Yeah. A new world dawning. May you be part of it. Yeah. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.